From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Superpower School podcast. I'm your host Paddy Danda and on today's show I have a legend, a legend, not just because he sports Liverpool, who are my childhood football team, but because he has some extraordinary stories to tell. So on the show today we have Phil Pelucha on the show today and I'm so glad I got it right, I think. Did I get it right? You nailed it, well done. All right, good. And I would love to know, Phil, what's your superpower that you'd like to bring to this particular episode? You know what? It's interesting. When you talk, I love the name of the podcast, by the way. I think that's really cool. I think that's what instantly what resonated with me. I've had this superpower conversation with a mentor of mine recently and was really surprised because he asked me, he said, what do you think your superpower is? And I was like, I mean, I'm really good at relationship building and I'm good with people. It's like, nope, it's not that. Like, okay, I'm really good at looking at people's businesses and being able to identify where the gaps are, where the opportunities are, how to fix them. No, it's you are good at that, but no, it's not that. And I'm like, then I really don't know. I don't have a clue. And he went, your superpower is that you're special. And I said, well, what does that mean? Like special needs? And he's like, no, like special as in like, we're, you're a special kind of guy. He's like, have you not noticed that when you walk into a room, people naturally gravitate towards you? I'm like, okay. He's like, that's how you've been able to empower so many people because you you have the spotlight, you have the microphone, you have the stage, which is why you've been able to empower people. But that's what makes you special is that you capture that attention, but you're using it for good rather than for selfish reasons and for evil. So I guess if I want to talk about my superpower today, it's going to be that. It's how to identify what makes you special and using it for good. Oh, I love that. I love that. And Phil, I forgot to say, I mean, you're the CEO of Billionaires in Boxes. So I would love to know where, what does that name even mean? And could you give us some, some definition around that? Of course I can. So Billionaires in Boxes as a name was originally a joke, um, which is where the whole brand came from, which I actually love because today, you know, rank number one in the world for what we do and people get to see it on our tv network and our consultancy and everything else but it, it was essentially my sense of humor so we had this successful podcast and then we got took over by a global radio station and then we had our own show on there for a year or so and then we got picked up for our very first ever satellite television network but they wanted a name for the show and everything I suggested, they hated. I mean, like, they absolutely detested it. I became pretty close to getting banned from naming my own TV series. So I did what I usually do, Northern Sense of Humor. I started messing about with it. So I was like, how about billionaires in boxers? Because I grow global empires from home and I rarely put on pants. And they were like, we really like that. I was like, oh, it's a joke. And like, no, we like it. So we did it. The promo for the TV series with me and two of my colleagues walking down the steps of Pretoria Town Hall in South Africa, wearing a shirt, tie, suit jacket, smart shoes, and a pair of boxer shorts. And the first TV series was incredibly successful. People started to recognize me as the billionaires in boxers guy. And it was like, I've never had a brand this powerful before. Let's rebrand everything we do as a business and put it firmly under billionaires in boxers. And that's where we are today. 
Oh, wow. That's an amazing story. I'm just, I had no idea. I was thinking it's about boxing in some way or other, but that's... No, it's literally about me and my boxer shorts, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I like it so much, right? Because it resonates with so many people and everyone has their own, you know, feeling. I've never had a brand before where people feel compelled to tell me what it means to them. Mm. And I really like that because I think, you know, if you have a brand that somebody hears it, and they instantly start resonating and coming up with ideas and wanting to ask questions about it, you're already winning, right? Yeah, I was going to say, absolutely. I can imagine on a night out where people are doing introductions and that name would just instantly grab people's attention and you'd be like, what on earth is that all about? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I also love the fact that I, because I work in very, very formal settings, I think you put it, you know, business consultants aren't really known for our sense of humor and sports brands tend to be very careful about how they position themselves and brand themselves as well. And that's the other world that I'm in. So speaking at some of the biggest events in the world, you know, you've got Sony, you've got Microsoft, you've got, you know, Kinetech, you've got billionaires in boxes. And everyone goes, Who, what? What's that about? Like people are instantly drawn to it, which is incredible because everyone else is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on getting their coloring right for the Facebook logo and everyone's leaning towards billionaires in boxes because they're going, what does that mean? That's brilliant. So I win. It's like the cheat codes. (laughs) And if you're wearing just boxes, then that's, you know, that's another visual. Then they're definitely only going to pay attention to me. Like why everyone else is wearing a suit. He's wearing nothing. What's going on? Oh, honestly, Phil, I think there's probably about 10 episodes we could do, but I'm going to pinpoint you down to your journey as a podcaster and your sort of broadcasting journey. So could you share a little bit about your story there? Because just talking to you before the show, you were mentioning you've gone from here to like here, like Mount Everest, like that's how high you're flying right now. So Mm. it'd be great to know that journey. Yeah, of course. So I was podcasting, first started podcasting 14 years ago. It's a long time ago now. I was a former professional athlete and I just left the game. I got medically retired. They didn't want Bionic Man in the league and my shin is pretty much solid metal at this point. Which sport was that then? So it's football. So I was with Manchester City until I was pretty, until my teenage years, didn't get my professional contract. And then I moved over to Central Europe and was playing there. I was de- at the time, I was desperate for Rafa Benitez to notice me and bring me into Liverpool, but he didn't. And looking back on it, that was actually a good thing because i was not good enough for liverpool as a fan i'd have hated me but i i was you know sad to leave the game i always come back to football in some capacity or another i work with sports globally and football's always the one that gets me excited but a friend of mine was a journalist and he approached me and he said what do you think about doing podcasts and i said what the hell is a podcast and he said it's like a radio show but nobody listens i was like so why are we doing it then like what's the point and he's like you know people don't really get to see what happens inside sports. So this is before the times of Instagram where you know what they had for breakfast and how long they slept for on their nap. You know, I jokingly used to say, if you wanted to know what was happening at Liverpool, you had to stand on the bin and look over the wall at Melwood to see what was going on. Um, So he was like, well, look, you've come through the academy setup. You've got friends who are now playing internationally. You've got friends in the England setup. Like it's going to be really cool as a fan with that kind of knowledge for you to come in and share those stories and those experiences. And it was great. Absolutely loved it. And 
you know, fast forward a little bit in the interest of time, we grew and sold two professional sports podcasts, which was phenomenal. Really enjoyed that. I then left the corporate world by this point and had set up my own business and it was not going well. I had no idea how to win clients at all because I'd never had to. I'd always worked for brands that my idea of business development was reading the email and deciding which project I wanted to work on. So I was pretty close to going back and getting a quote unquote real job. And I suddenly had this epiphany one night where I woke up and I went, the thing that was really powerful about sports podcasting was the fact that I could network with anybody I wanted to. We could get tickets to any game we wanted to. I got to meet some of the world's best managers, the best players. I got to meet World Cup winners. I got to meet heads of federations. We were on the press association list for all these clubs. Why can't I use that for business? So the next day, I started a very primitive strategy, which is write down a list of the top 100 companies that I would love to have as a client and invite each of their CEOs onto a podcast to talk about themselves and their business. Fast forward three months, I've now got 21 people working for me full time globally, and I've bitten off way more than I can chew. You know, we were winning projects. I remember really clearly winning a real estate contract with a firm, and there was two of us in the tender, final tender process. One of us employed six that was me the other one employed over ten thousand, and we won <laughs> and it was like oh now we've got to deliver it and that was fascinating so growing rapidly it's kind of like we've jumped and we're building the parachute on the way down so podcasting for me was always a vip networking tool you know we mentioned this in the in what i like to call the virtual green room before the show right you're it's about learning or about earning it's always one of those two things so you're either sometimes it's both so you're either learning something phenomenal from somebody or you're earning something and podcasting for me just became this almost like this best kept secret this way that i could vip network with anybody that i wanted to everyone else is trying to tender and get through there on the phone and trying to get past gatekeepers and receptionists and i'm just going straight to the head honcho saying hey do you want to chat and making friends with people and it was a phenomenal way to grow my business it was a phenomenal way to find some of my best mentors some of my billionaire mentors to this day i met in this exact way and podcasting has always remained a really exciting medium for me now as you've alluded to, we've since moved into, so we've got two satellite television networks that reach 26 million homes. We've got two global radio stations, four newspapers and magazines, and the podcast is top 5%, reaches a million downloads a month, and is still my favorite form of medium. Podcasting is long form. It's conversational. It's like you're, your listeners right now feel like they've pulled up a chair and they're sat here with us having this conversation. I don't get that feeling about television. You record two hours worth of content for a 30 minute program and it's edited and ripped apart. And it's like all the stuff that I think should have been in the producer didn't think should have been in and all that kind of great stuff. And I find podcasting to still to this day be not only the best form of VIP networking, but the most authentic form of communication and learning there is out there. Wow. I was going to say, did you say 14 years ago? 14 started? years ago was the first podcast. Yeah. I didn't even know podcasting existed then. I think it did, to be honest. So it was in its very early infancy. I've met someone about probably about six months ago who started podcasting 18 years ago. So they were even much further ahead than me. But, you know, at the time we were recording via Skype, we were stripping the audio from Skype and having to match it together. We were uploading it to SoundCloud in two or three different files and then having to email each individual file out to people. Like it's not as easy as it was today where you could just record it on Zoom, stick it out there. You've got all these bits of software that will mass produce it and distribute it to all the different sites for you. You've got, I mean, there's even sites now like headliners.app 
that if you just put the podcast episode in, it will fire back to you five or six audiograms for you to use on social media. Like this has never been easier now. There's all these podcast booking sites. Shout out to podmatch.com, owned by a good friend of mine, Alex Sanfilippo, matchmaker.fm, which is owned by another friend, a guy called James Mulvaney, and podbooker.com is another great one. But they even have free versions of their website where you can create an account for free and go meet people. So it has never been easier to use podcasting for learning and earning than right now today. It is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I was going to say for me as well, I was contemplating for a while about creating sort of content online and for social media. And every time I'd sit down in front of a camera and just like me and the camera trying to talk, it became very uncomfortable. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then... At the back of your mind, you're going, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. I want to make sure I continue to talk like this. And it just, it was very uncomfortable for me. And I couldn't really kind of really get into that. And Mm. I did my first ever podcast episode and I was like, ah, I can do this. This is like me having a chat. It's a conversation, right? Yeah. You're you're so right. I mean, this is why, so I enjoy this and we use this for all of our social media as well because I hate sitting one-on-one in front of a camera. I'm much more conversational. And the rule that I often have is if you're uncomfortable, the audience will be uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable doing that one-on-one, don't do it one-on-one. There's no reason for you to sit and do these things solo and monologue. No reason at all. You know, if you find that the conversation gets stagnant with it just being you and another person, then do a mini panel discussion where there's three or four people on a call. There's no reason why there's no rules to this thing. You can yeah. just have fun with it. Absolutely. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think that's it's a great way of doing that. And the reality is that podcasting can be, you know, we're recording this on Zoom, so you're gonna have the audio, you're gonna have the video, you can rip this up into social media bites, you can put this out on a radio, you can put this out on TV, you can put it on streaming networks if you wanted to. This one piece of content could quite easily be ten to fifteen pieces of content for you across social media. And also a blog, right? The transcription. Uh, precisely, get the transcription, put it into a blog, get it as an article, be a guest writer for Forbes or Entrepreneur, and then you put it on there. There's a ton of things that you could do with this. And being a very lazy entrepreneur that only works three days a week, I'm all about efficiency. So if I can do one conversation that's going to be repurposed in 10, 15, 20 different ways, that sounds like a good job to me. Ah, fantastic. And so going back to your journey of podcasting and you mentioned how it was a great way for you to connect with these leaders ceos etc yeah how did you go about building a following as a result of that so on the one hand it was helping you build your business and expand that but then in terms of it becoming this phenomenal podcast it is now how did you start building that following Hi folks, sorry for the quick interruption, but before we continue with this awesome episode, I have a huge favour to ask. If you're enjoying these conversations and you're finding it's giving you value in your daily challenges, then I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave a short review and subscribe to whichever platform you're either watching or listening to this episode on. That's it. Let's get back into the episode. Do you want to know the irony of this? I paid no attention to it. None at all. Because the, my, my message was always, you can make six and seven figures from a podcast, even if nobody's listening, because you're monetizing the relationships. You're getting to know each other. You're building relationships. So my attitude for a long time was, I couldn't care less if nobody else is listening. Um, I'm learning from it. I'm growing from it. I'm earning from it. I'm expanding my network. I'm getting to help other people. They're getting to help me. Like I, I really don't mind if nobody's listening. 
And the irony is that's what has been attractive for our audience because everybody else felt like they were being sold to or like it was a an overly polished radio or TV show. Whereas, you know, mine isn't. I mean, and you, what you'll often find is people, when they're trying to try too hard, they'll have too much of a structure. I've got my set questions and you know, someone's going to give me a really interesting answer and I'm going to go, that's great, Paddy. Now, next question. <laughs> and it's like, that's te- like, just have the conversation. Just go, Gee, you just blow my mind there. Let's go down the rabbit hole, yeah. right? And people get worried about how long a podcast runs for. So you'll notice on my podcasting times, some of them are 30 minutes. Some of them are an hour, 30 minutes. Because if I get into a conversation with somebody, I'm like, I'm not stopping. This is brilliant. I'm going to carry on talking because I'm not worried about the audience. I'm not worried about this polished effect. And the feedback that we've had from our audience is it's like being involved in the business discussion. It's like seeing how business really works because we get to be involved in that conversation. I've done deals live on air. Like we've been doing a podcast and someone's gone, we should really work together on this. It's like, you're absolutely right. Like, what do you think we should do with this? And we'll do the deal then and there. Like, where else do you get to experience that? I got quite emotional actually a couple of weeks ago. Somebody booked in on my calendar and I didn't know the name and it said it was a media inquiry. I had no idea what organization they were from. And they came on and they said, I'm really sorry. We're not actually, this isn't a media interview. And I said, okay. And they said, we actually found your link online and we wanted to book in. I said, okay, how can I help? You already have. We've been listening to your podcast and the guest appearances that you do for two years now. I was like, okay, great. And he said, I've just made my first ever million dollars in my business. So I wanted to thank you and my wife and children. Thank you. And that was all I wanted. Wow. And I got all the most. I was proper choked up. I got off the phone and I went downstairs to my wife and I was like, blubbering idiot. I was like, oh, I'm all emotional. But it was really powerful to hear that. But I, you know, it's funny. I have a different approach to building an audience than most people. I, I, it's better to be famous for 50 of the right people than 50 million of the wrong people. And I think most people take the opposite approach. It's if a million people know me, I'm going to be successful. It's like, not necessarily. Like I have people that are on the Dr. Oz show. that got 3 million downloads and they never made a single sale, but then they go on a podcast that's got a hundred listeners and do 10 grand. It's like, which one do you want? I mean, it's like, I always say to people, do you want a million dollars from a podcast or a million downloads? Cause they're two completely different strategies. And it's funny. I have people come to me and it's like, how do I get a million downloads to my podcast? This is a great example. My first question is usually, why do you want a million downloads to your podcast? But if we just follow this through, let's just say you did want a million. So it's like, okay, how long would that take you? Maybe 12 months. All right. How much money are you going to put into advertising for that? Probably about a hundred grand. All right. So it's going to cost you a hundred grand and 12 months, which by the way, both of those, I think is pretty conservative to get to a million people following you. How long do you reckon it would take me to go on 10 podcasts that each have a hundred thousand downloads each? Two weeks? How much am I going to pay for that exposure? Nothing, right? And not only have you built up that audience of a million, you've now got to do social proof. You've got to show them that you're somebody trustworthy. Whereas me, I'm turning up as the expert speaker on someone else's show. They're already building the credibility for me by saying, here's this guy. Look at what he does. He's brilliant. That's why he's here, right? So I've got more credibility. I've done it in two weeks, what's going to take you 12 months. And I've spent nothing where you've spent a hundred grand. So the question should not be, how do I build my audience? That was the question five to 10 years ago. That's not the question now. The question now is, where are the people looking that I want to talk to and how can I stand there? Got it. Oh, I love that. And I've heard people say that exact thing. I've even had guests when I've reached out to them have said, well, how many followers do you have? How many average downloads do you have? And I've gone... 
probably not enough. <laughs> but not relevant. Right. It, it has no relevance. None at all. In fact, I often find the bigger the podcast with the most downloads, the less specific that audience is, because it tends to be more of a generic audience. And do you want to speak to a million generic people? Or would you rather speak to a thousand really specific people that this message is going to resonate with? So, you know, the fastest way to grow your audience on your podcast is to be a guest on other people's podcasts. Because then other people's audiences hear you and go, Paddy's a cool guy. Oh, he's got a podcast too. I'm going to go check out his stuff. That's the fastest way of doing it and getting your audience to cross promote, your guests to cross promote. But most people don't because they're lazy, which is just the way that it goes. So if your strategy is, I'm just going to hope people cross promote, yeah, you're going to be hoping a long time. But I, I want to stress that point that the audience really isn't all that important. Like if you want to be Instagram famous, then that's something separate. But actually, it's better to be famous for 50 of the right people than even 5 million of the wrong people or 500,000 of the wrong people. But most people aren't thinking about how do I network and find those 50 right people? They're thinking, how do I get myself in front of a hundred thousand people so that I might stand a chance of finding the 50 right people, which much quicker to speak to 50 people than it is to 50,000 people. Got it. And so Phil, look, I know you've really been very humble about the growth, but just give us some idea of how big is your podcast now? So top 5%, a million downloads plus per month, plus it airs on two global radio stations that gives us access to roughly about another half a million to 750,000 people monthly, which is cool. It's a little bit overwhelming, I think is the honest answer. So when I when my editing team first told me, I was angry that they told me because the first four episodes after they told me I behaved differently and I didn't like that because I was very aware that there was a million people listening. So I behaved differently. So I went back to them. I said, never tell me the stats ever again. And I genuinely now only get to know because we keep getting awards in the post. It's like, congratulations, you've won. And it's like, oh, stop telling me stuff like this. It's like, it looks good on the website. It looks good on my mantelpiece. But other than that, it doesn't really do much for my head. In fact, if anything, it makes it worse because now I'm like, oh my God, I'm not having a conversation with Paddy. Paddy, we're sat in a room and there's a million people staring at us. This is off-putting. Um <laughs> You know, it, th- that's weird, right? It's really like yeah. we're both Liverpool fans. You don't get a million people into Anfield. You get 60,000 into Anfield. But if we're sat having a conversation in the cop and everybody suddenly turns around and stares at us, we're going to feel incredibly uncomfortable. That's what it felt like when I found out the size of the audience. But I have to do the same on the TV. So we reached 26 million homes. I can't be thinking about the fact we reached 26 million homes. That's terrifying, right? I have to think about, I'm sat having a conversation with Paddy. This is the conversation I'm having. I'm not worried about anything else. I'm not even worried about the people filming, to be completely honest. They're just my mates that are here doing some work, right? Me and Paddy are having a conversation. That's the way that this goes. And I think that level of authenticity and being genuine is actually what's made us so successful and allowed this thing to grow in the way that it has. I don't want to polish it. You know, I get people coming to me saying, what's the perfect time to release a podcast? How many minutes should a podcast be? And I'm like, None of that is relevant. I couldn't care less about any of it. I'm sure some genius will come out with an algorithm and tell you, but we've paid no attention to any of that. It's like, oh, you've got to be regular. It's like, well, sometimes I release two a week. Sometimes I don't release any for a month. So it comes when it comes. It happens when it happens. And the conversations are always genuine and they're always action-packed. But I'm never, ever going to force myself to say, it's Monday. I have to record something today, even though I don't feel good because I've promised to release something on the Tuesday. That seems madness to me oh i love that yeah because i when i was looking into podcasting and i haven't been doing it that long if i'm honest i started my first podcast about two years ago as lockdown hit and 
that was just an experiment and I was just creating episodes ad hoc. And then Good. April this year was when I started this podcast and I read lots of blogs before I did to understand right. some tips and tricks. But yeah, all of those things you just mentioned there, people were saying, oh, make sure it's like this and make sure you do this and it's, make sure you do that. It's so not relevant. It's really not relevant. It's a, you, you often find that with other things as well, like recipe books. It's like it has to put it in a specific order. And it's like, wait, I'm making a cake. Surely if I just put all of this in a bowl and smash it together, it makes the cake. And it like, yes, it does. So why did I need to do it in this weird specific order? You know, it becomes less like business advice and more like OCD. It's like mm -hmm. it has to be on this time and this thing and this long. And if it's anything longer than that, it's like you know what? Your vibe attracts your tribe. The people that resonate with you will listen for 30 minutes. They'll listen for 45 minutes. They'll listen for 90 minutes. If it's something that's adding value to them and they're enjoying it, they're going to stick around. Don't worry about it. So Phil, I'd just love to get maybe two or three key tips from you. If somebody out there is thinking about going down this journey of podcasting, and I know you actually mentioned loads of really good piece of advice, but two or three really key tips for anybody thinking of going on this journey would be really useful. Yeah, actually, that's really easy. So the first one is take action. You know, the amount of people that are getting ready to start a podcast or thinking about starting a podcast, it's like, what are you thinking about? Just do it. That's like, I'm thinking about turning on the TV. I'm thinking about boiling the kettle. It's like, just get on with it, right? Why are we talking about the fact that you're preparing to think about contemplating about something? Just do it. Just jump two feet in. Like you said, it's a conversation. You're having a conversation with somebody. If you're worried about how it's going to turn out, tell people that you're recording your first 10 episodes first before you release it. That's what you do in TV. It's what you do in radio. You have to have a minimum of 10 episodes before you release because that way now you're not worried about it, right? You're not worried about, oh, I've got to release it. I've got to get this one. Take that pressure off you completely. You can do it on Zoom. You can do it on Riverside. You can do it on all these different platforms. It's incredibly simple to do. I think Anchor even lets you do it for free, if I'm not mistaken. Anchor.fm. I, th I think they put an advert in before it, but, you know, whatever. It's pretty simple to do. I mentioned the podcasting sites that I recommend earlier. So podmatch.com owned by Alex Sanfilippo, matchmaker.fm, which sounds like a dating site, but I promise you it's a podcasting site. It's like my, it's my backdoor version of Tinder. I'm, I'm going to start dating everybody. No, but matchmaker.fm is brilliant um, by James Mulvaney. And then podbooker.com is another one that I highly recommend. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, the reality is that all of those sites allow you to sign up for free. So as soon as you finish this podcast episode, you can go and log on to those, create one profile, copy and paste them across all three sites, and you've already taken massive action to starting a podcast. Congratulations. Not sure you're ready to start a podcast yet? Go be a guest, right? Which brings me on to point number two. Point number two is you can have a lot of success with podcasting, learning and earning. You know, we used to say six and seven figures. You know, we've gone even above that now, which is phenomenal in terms of what we do for podcasting. To this day, my business consultancy is still fueled 40% by my podcast and the guests that I have on there in terms of the people that I meet, the relationships that we create, the sales that we make. It's phenomenal, right? Which is ridiculous. If you equate that, it's like multiple millions of dollars. So it's awesome, right? But here's the really cool thing about this. About 96% or more of the industry don't make any money from podcasting. So I've just told you how profitable it is, but I've just told you that 96% don't do it. And let me tell you the exact reason and give you the secret that you can do right now to plug this in. This isn't a sales promo. I'll give it you for free, right? You need to look for the four Ps. And the four Ps are purchasers, partners, promoters, platforms. So people to buy from you, 
people who will partner with you so you can learn things from them. They can introduce you to people, promoters who can introduce you to more of the first two and platforms, stages, television, podcast, whatever that can introduce you to more of the first three. When you're judging whether to have somebody on as a guest or whether you're judging whether you should go on a podcast as somebody else's guest, always apply the four P's and decide which one of those four they are. Because if they're not any of them, preferably multiples of them, you shouldn't be doing it. The advice that I've heard some podcast gurus give you about just say yes to every guest appearance is the most horrific advice I've ever heard in my entire life. Terrific, right? It's like saying go on every date just because somebody asks you. Like, that's a really bad idea. You know what you like. You know what you're looking for. Let's get clear about the criteria and the specifics and the kind of person I'm looking for and the kind of interest I want them to have and the things that are my big turn-ons and turn-offs. Let's get clear about them. Let's do that in business and podcasting as well. But if you apply those four Ps, you will never go far wrong. Even just doing those four things will keep you nice and successful. But you've got to take the action and you've got to be clear about why you're doing something. Otherwise, you just end up kissing a lot of frogs. It's the reason why so many podcasts stop at 10 episodes because they get 10 episodes in and they go, what is the point of this? It's taking up my time. It's not really getting me anywhere. Of course it isn't because you're speaking to the wrong people. So you've got to think about if I gave you 10 conversations with those four Ps, do you still feel like that's a waste of time? Or is this one of the best ways to spend your time because you're learning and earning? It's a very different process. So that would be those would be my two biggest pieces of advice. Is take the action, and that's the action that you can take right away from today and make sure that you apply the four Ps, the purchasers, partners, promoters, and platforms criteria to the people that you're looking at doing a show with. What great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that, Phil. I love the way you're just so straight talking and just a genuine everyday guy like there's no fluff there it's maybe that's the northerner in you i don't know maybe but, <laughs> but no i really appreciate that thank you there you have it folks it's the end of another insightful episode and as always thank you so much for sticking around to listen to this episode and for helping support me and encouraging me to create more content for you guys if you'd like to get in touch with me directly you'll find my email address in the show notes or equally head over to the website and click on the contact link. And I promise I will respond to every single message I receive. I'm always looking for your feedback. So if you'd like me to change things up or improve things, I would love your opinions. If there are topics that you would like us to do future episodes on, or there are other great speakers that you are aware of, then please do mention them and uh, we'll see if we can make it happen. Thank you once again 